One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Trek Culture Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sean Ferrick. I'm Paul Sutherland. And we are very lucky to be joined by the fantastic Trek Yards this week. Guys, how are you getting on? Welcome. How are you going? We are doing very well. At least I'm doing very well. I can't speak for the commander there, but uh, doing very well. Too, but yeah. <laughs> so, well, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us on. Are you guys oh, nice to be invited. Are you guys coping with uh, no new Star Trek for the foreseeable future? Oh, it's been a nice break. Twenty-three solid weeks of content and lives, and we were we were busting busting something pretty hard. I'll, I'll that, be honest. So. I, I'm thrilled. Because I was editing five, seven videos a week. Yeah. So I'm thrilled. It's That's nice not the not answer <laughs> I was expecting, but good. <laughs> Look, it was great. We'll wait for the next batch. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> we'll live our lives in between then. <laughs> I love it. It's like, you know, kind of, you know, you, you know, do you enjoy Star Trek? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, but listen, there's lives to be led. Um, but no, that's, uh, that's what I mean. Like, let's kind of get straight into it because, like, obviously Sam so yourself and myself we will have obviously just watched Lower Decks which has only just released in uh, on Amazon in the UK and, and Ireland we would of course have not seen this before so how but do you I feel was, having freshly watched this but I was, I'm thrilled because I have a time machine luckily so I was able to go back and review them with Stuart in the past oh that's brilliant machine. that's handy that's I mean handy. we have TARDISes yeah. in the UK you know at least in the British part of the UK so you know it's, it's great no it's great. great great show well done make season 2 hurry up Mike Sorry. <laughs> Mike, we know you're watching. Um, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to jump back. I, I loved this. I thought it was brilliant. And I loved, not to put make this too obvious or anything, I really loved the ships in it way more than I was expecting to. They're better than Picard ships, i got to say. Not, not the biggest fan of those, unfortunately. And we didn't get many beauty passes in Discovery. So, seeing the Parliament class, seeing that the Titan is finally canonized now... Uh, the Luna class was great to see. So yes, fantastic ships. A lot of California classes, though, more than I expected. Yeah, well, you 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 mentioned California class last, and you add the though. So am I to assume that you're not a huge fan of the California class? When I first saw it, I was kind of shocked. But did, you can ask Samuel. The, we, I did a first reaction to it, and the more I looked at it, the more I liked it, and it grew on me. I'm actually quite a fan of the ship. Um, it, it wouldn't be something I would design or think of necessarily but I think it works for what it is it kind of reminded me of something I would have designed in like the 6th grade when I'm like talking to my nerdy friends about Star Trek you know like Mm. taking bits of the Enterprise D and like cobbling together my own fictional ship but I think that's a lot Mm. of the show to to be honest like isn't that the a lot of the show kind of feels like playing Star Trek or imagining what it would be like in your own like child version not to like as, like I'm not casting aspersions on it saying it's childish or anything I love it but it's you know like it's a lighthearted you know colorful yeah. version of the of the of the franchise yeah yeah it's quite fun and I could I like, draw parallels to the Mandalorian like the Mandalorian the way that they play in that world mm-hmm. is very much how I would play with my action figures so that's why I really enjoyed it so I think the same thing can be said about lower decks so well, yeah not to like totally overwrite the conversation about the ships themselves, but I think the show um, reminds me a lot of The Mandalorian too because of how like concise the episodes are. You know, they mostly choose to tell one story and do that, and then move on next week. I mean, we're talking about episodic television, which is like a novelty now. 
but mm. it's just like so clean and uh, easily di- digestible. I think both the Mandalorian and and Star Trek Lower Decks. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll take us back to the ships, though, if, if I can. What's interesting, I think, about the Lower Deck ships is that we didn't get many, and they're not exactly beautiful or anything, but it, the whole show takes a TNG approach, just kind of modernised and with the self-knowledge of the universe it's in. TNG only had TOS, and they actively try to avoid parts of it. This is the first show that takes the same TNG approach, but really embraces it. And so we get the one hero ship, and then most of the other Federation ships are all kit bashes of that. And it comes across that way, that means it feels faithful to TNG. And the fact that we see four Californias or whatever, because they've only got one miniature, yeah, that's... But it kind of has that vibe. But you do get those great ships of the week, which are really interestingly designed, but also barely used and barely seen, but they're kind of like, oh, that's a nice design, as TNG had when they had the money to build something fresh. So it kind of feels TNG, even though it's modern. Right, and uh, I mean, like, the uh, Parliament class, the Vancouver, just had the same interior as the California Mm. classes, which was either a nod or, you know. Listen now, it's been going by because the Enterprise A had the same corridors as the Enterprise D. And, you know, if a Constitution (laughs) class and a Galaxy class can have the same internal workings. One had a lot more chrome. It felt different. You're absolutely right. One did have a lot more chrome. Um, I I am not a chrome denier here, and I apologise to all chrome enthusiasts. I'll get silence then. Uh, Good. uh, Oh, no. Oh, good. Although I do prefer the skin jobs, I must say. Oh. Oh, 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 oh dear oh, oh, <laughs> Right, man. moving swiftly along <laughs> Yeah, this is a unique uh, podcast for us We've talked about the Mandalorian and Battlestar Galactica So the, in the Orville What's your favourite ship in the Orville? <laughs> that being said, we have Fleet Yard Which is our spin-off series All sci-fi ships Look, so. Babylon 5 yeah. uh, It's very good Because actually, that's one thing Now obviously, Sam, I asked you about this Before you started recording But I just want to say it again I'm loving the wall behind you. Um, Stuart, I'm loving the wall behind you as well. Don't worry. that I love you both equally. But it's absolutely fantastic. Um, tell us a, just a little bit about where this has come from. The fans and my PC. All originally rendered, all hand-done, all hand-sized, all hand-everything, and then put together in a beautiful little collage. But every single one is sponsored by a fan. Uh, so, you know, a bit, of, a bit of pride in every way there. But it kind of gets Me. lost as a picture, but it's yet, and you see it, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> You kind of, you're always looking for stuff. Everybody asks him about his wallpaper. <laughs> Where can um, I buy that? It's like, oh, you can't. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Mine, mine is just, I got a lot of stuff and just, you know, just how, yeah. It's just always been like that. So, there you go. I really uh, like, I'm, I'm also loving, sorry, I'm loving the uh, the LSARs just above, just above your head there. Um, that is well proportioned. Paul, why don't we do something like that? We've really missed a bit of a trick here, haven't we? I mean, you can kind of see some models behind me and my little cheeky Enterprise A there. Yeah, I thought you were uh, doing it for us. <laughs> so let's talk about Lower Decks. Um, it's... <laughs> um, I have to say, right, I'm, I can't wait until we get the inevitable models um, of all the ships. What I love about the California class is it looks like they scoured the galaxy for leftover... Uh, galaxy class saucer sections and just kind of slapped some engines onto them and I really like that kind of uh, you said it right the kit bash design I think that looks great because as you said I think of the Wolf 359 fleet I mean that really was they threw a saucer section at the wall and threw other bits and whatever stuck there you go that's going to be destroyed by the Borg mm-hmm. well, one of the unique things about the California class when we spoke with Mike McMahon is it, it, when you look at the saucer it's really not galaxy class at all um, and the nacelles are quite different. There was, there's definitely some aspects of the ship that we haven't seen come into play yet, which he kind of teased we would by the end of the season, and we mm. didn't really, and mm-hmm. I was kind of disappointed. But he might have been talking about season two because they were kind of working on that at the time. So, um, But, yeah, I, I, it does look very kit-bashy, but it does work. It feels like one of the uh, FASA ships, actually, the old FASA um, tabletop combat simulator. They had some really f- interesting designs, movie-era-like, but they were very kit-bashy. Um, it's not for everybody. Some of them work, some of them don't. So, yeah. And the, uh, the California one's a bit weird, because it does, you know, their team really, honestly, if we're honest, they had to make a ship, their design ship intentionally, that was kind of ugly, because it's in the bottom rank of Starship. Now, Starship, yeah. not like Freight and stuff, of that line. So how do you make your hero that looks not good that yet looks like of the era, and yet it means a hell of an ambitious, weird thing. So in terms of all of that, that's why the first reaction I thought, as, as we all were there, was like, ah. But when you realise every single piece is intentional, 
And so, mm. and it all connects. It's like, yes, okay. And as those things come out more and more, you know, that's where the genius comes in. How do you design that? I wouldn't want to design that, but yeah. somehow, yeah, it's good. It's not the best thing they could have made, but that's with everything, you know? You know, like Rutherford uh, mentions that the Cerritos is old and, mm -hmm. you know, they kind of avoided the, you know, like giving her like battle damage or, you know, weathering or, you know, like she still looks like pretty consistent with the way ships look in TNG, but they do like at least mention that she's kind of falling apart. Yeah, well, it even goes down to the the registry, which is one of the first things everybody noticed. Uh, we asked him, asked Mike about that, and he said, "You want it to stand out and be different, so it's kind of like a tramp stamp. It's not, <laughs> it's not loud and proud on the front. This ship's going to be towing other ships. It's kind of, it's you know, it's one of the least important ships." And I thought that was a very, very interesting way of, because um, that was the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that we were talking about till we got a chance to speak with him was. What's with the registry? Every Federation okay. ship pretty much has a proud registry on the front. Okay. This one doesn't. So that was an interesting little story. Well, he yeah, also told you guys first, I think, on your on, on Trek Yards mentioned uh, the color coding of the ships, right? Like, I think that's the first time that that got... I think people could guess it, but yeah, I think probably. Yeah. Probably for, for, first official, yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, you guys want to tell people what the color-coded uh, California-class starships means. Mm. I mean, because I feel like people probably didn't even really notice that they have different stripes unless you were really looking. Well, it is weird because no other ships do. It's kind of a, an odd thing. Yeah. It's like with the um, 32nd century Discovery. It's like, what's an operations dot? What's a command dot? What does a mm. command dot do? You know what I mean? So it's kind of redundant in and of itself. But yeah, you've got the red command, you've got the blue science, you've got the engineering. Luckily, we didn't see the blue one that much. It doesn't look as nice. Right, the yeah, Merced was the only blue one, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I always felt like the w once we saw the Parliament class, it was a bit like, so w once you had taken the the ugly design of the California class, I say that with love, it's like they had refined it into the Parliament class. It's like this was maybe like a step beyond, say, refit constitution to original constitution. Maybe it was like the next step along the line. Yeah. They'd missed maybe, or they'd done something in the middle. Because the Parliament class looks gorgeous. Well, that's what I think probably happened, was they designed a bunch of ships. Parliament was one of them. And Mike McMahon's like, no, that's too nice looking. Hold on to it. But we don't want our hero ship to look like that. Might have been kind of the thing, that, the process that happened. And also, we did get hundreds of comments saying, oh my god, yeah. that should have been the, the hero ship of Lodex. What were they doing? Hmm. Yep. Like, Absolutely. instant reaction. But there's a reason for it, because that's not, no offense, that Parliament class isn't memorable. It looks super normal. It's just an updated Miranda. Sweetos is memorable. You True. know it from every angle. Better and worse, you know it from every angle. That's totally fair. Yep, you're dead right. And it does, it stands out in the... Because I think, well, you said it, like, when we all saw that first picture, it was like, oh, God. And yet, once I saw it moving, like, as an actual footage of it, I went, oh, God. Oh, this is actually great. Well, they actually treated it like a hero ship from any other Trek shows before Discovery in 09. Classic flybys, classic beauties, classic yeah. establishings, even at warp with the classic warp. You know, everything you'd expect. And so by seeing it in the normal ways, you grow to appreciate like every other ship, which other shows don't necessarily do, but they did. And it's like, oh my God, where's this been for the last 15 years? Yes. Beauty shots. <laughs> flybys. Please. Yes. Yes. Please. I mean, just please. Sorry. I mean, so um, wait, well, so like... Just following up on the beauty shot thing, uh, you know, so like what we're referring to obviously is the fact that Discovery Season 3 especially uh, gave us a ton of new 32nd century Federation starships and then mm -hmm. barely showed, you know, like barely gave the audience a, an opportunity to really get a good handle on what they look like. You know, we they, they, they make a big point to introduce Voyager J and then... She's like in the background for you know most of the rest of the episodes she appears in. Uh, yeah. Is that like a like a hangup for you guys? Like I, it was for us. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Uh, we try to get the best shots from the, the episodes, and we enhance them, and we zoom in on them, and you know it's Samuel doing all his magic uh. over there, and we talk about them. So if you want to get a closer look at those ships, go subscribe to Trek Yards on YouTube. Just saying. I will throw but my yeah. support behind that. Please do. <laughs> Well, what, but the journey about the Discovery sort of style of CG in the three seasons is quite a weird one. Season one started with ins insanely contrasty, dark shots that you might have got lots of close-ups, but you couldn't see anything pretty much. And so at university, kind of like, it might look modern, but it doesn't look good by any means. The end of the season, 
the few shots they had, they really toned that down as the production team were changing and you know, just different people were giving different orders. Season two, they had some genuinely nice beauties. They genuinely did, because they learned that Discovery is way too long, so let's do a more uh, zoomed-in focal length that hides things. You know, classic tricks you learn did better. Season three, they did better, and then at the same time, like you said, just didn't show stuff. But as an artist myself, CG artist, like pr putting all your fleet of ships in a black bubble with only blue light from one direction, that's not an easy sell. And clearly they weren't able to achieve good-looking ships from the abstract sense of good-looking. And you can tell those ships weren't the focus of any episode, you know, there wasn't any call in any of the scripts for a close-up, so they didn't detail them as you would a hero sh ship. And unfortunately, ships in Voyager and Enterprise from the 90s and 2000s are actually nicer 3D models because they would actually get more screen time, or at least closer up. So they would a lot of the time, Pixamundo, which is the main VFX house, they have so many different shows and, TV and movies. So they can only do what needs to be done, and if they don't need to be done, then they don't get done. That's why a lot of the Discovery Season 2 models are lackluster, and Season 1, yeah, you know, mudship, awful. But, yeah, we, we hope with, like, the Picard finale, they would improve them for the Blu-ray. No, but at least Star Trek Online improved them, so go look at the Inquisitor for Star Trek Online. It's beautiful! It fixes everything about the ship. Where you were hoping that they would add more detail to the Inquiry class ships well, at I the mean, end of uh, Picard. It's an embarrassing there. scene. Everyone knows it's an embarrassing scene. If you're cloning the ship anyway, instancing, you just change one ship and then you instance it again and you re-render it. You know, they had four or five months of Blu-ray. You know, I would be embarrassed as an artist to get that out. They should be too. Well, Stuart, they you mentioned... post. Sorry, Stuart, you mentioned that uh, you weren't super into the... Uh, Picard ships. Uh, I mean, they did at least give us a plenty of uh, you know good looks at like the La Serena and the uh, Romulan ships, um, which is kind of an interesting. Uh, you know, it's interesting that the two uh, Discovery and Picard had such different approaches to their establishing shots. But uh, I, I personally thought that La Serena was kind of like an interesting departure. Uh, how'd you guys feel about that ship? I have a three D printer right okay. here, but. Looks very Batman-like to me. <laughs> it um, actually does. It does. It looks like a yeah. cool Batwing. So clearly, yeah. the red is like a like a big part of the appeal of that ship. Well, for some, I guess not for me personally. Mm -hmm. But the biggest issue I had with Picard ships, like yeah, I liked the antique uh, Romulan Bird of Prey. That was beautiful, awesome. Yes, it was. Um, yeah. tr you know, doubling down, putting Discovery shuttles in that time period was a big no-no for me. That update the shuttles me now as well. Yeah. We need the sad violin music there. Yeah, we a do. little bit. Like walking into Starfleet headquarters, looking up, seeing the hologram of the Galaxy class, then it instantly turns to the Disco Enterprise. Don't get me wrong, I like the Disco Enterprise, but it's not my canon Enterprise. It's not prime timeline. So they immediately put Picard in my ver in my opinion in the Disco verse, as I call it, um, and it's not the prime timeline. Things That's like true. that are very disappointing to me. Well, well um, now I now I have to ask: Do you guys both? in your headcanon believe that Discovery is set in an, an alternate, alternate timeline, an altered timeline? I do. I have to in, in, order, in order to enjoy the show because um, mm. it clearly takes too many steps away from visual canon for me. So, And I'm a you know canon purist in the sense that if they say it's canon, it's canon. If they didn't yes. say it was canon, we couldn't make our great analysis videos. Because if the Discovery is in a separate universe, we can't compare the tech to anything, therefore there's nothing to talk about. But when they say it's canon, we can say to them, well, you doubled the size of the Enterprise three years ago, it was this size, then you doubled it for four years, then it went back to being the same size. So why would why did you refit it three times in four years for no reason? Why was the... You know, so as soon as they... So the fact they say it's canon makes us have the ability to shoot them in the face, and in essence, with the canon, they do wrong. Which is fun. <laughs> but it's not great, but, you yeah. know... I mean, it's, thankfully, Picard avoided any, like, massive starships that, you know, seemed outsized, but obviously we just got mm -hmm. off of season three of Discovery, where, you know, the finale had the insane um, hollow space that's supposed to be the, uh, what, uh, turbolift, you know, hub, or I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but... Uh, no one does. I don't think they're living that one down anytime soon. I mean, I caught a, a video of yours where you guys had uh, calculated that that Science. simply would not fit inside Discovery. No. Uh, that's, that's a big sticky point for me. And people say, well, you forget, you know, episode 16 of season 2 of Enterprise, Future Tense, where they had the 31st century technology. And it's like, no, we didn't. Watch season 1 and 2 of Discovery that happens pre-TOS the turbo lifts, those big caverns are there. 
Yeah. They're even in the Enterprise. They're in P- Pike's Enterprise, hence Kirk's Enterprise. No, that's just wrong. I'm sorry. And we could have forgiven that a little bit for season three because season three was so much better. But then, like I said, they quadrupled down on the stupid in the very last episode by making a super long, unnecessary fight scene, which could have been cut down and or not included, and just showed off this cavernous space. Yeah, we, we were saying in our review of that that the episode was like a solid great and then just went like this and then flatlined for a good like nine minutes. And oh, the end was great. It's. Yeah. I'm not. Don't know if you've ever seen an episode that was that dramatic and just. It felt like a different person wrote that segment and said, "Right now you've got to go make it." And since it's all green screen based stuff, they could just have reshot it anyway. It felt so disconnected from the rest of it of quality versus childish JJ. Weird. I, I think I've, uh, I. I don't know if I love the childish JJ thing, but it's a well, a turbolift sequence in your ship that doesn't fit in a fight. You know that. I mean that the idea of that scene is childish. Well, I think that I think the interesting thing about like if, if you're going to compare it to the Abrams movies, when you do get shots of the like expansive interior of the Enterprise, it generally conforms to what you would imagine like the shape of the ship would be, and with like that discovery sequence, y- you could not place it in like. Yeah, you know, you saw, like, schematics of the ship that showed, like, a, an open area, but given the shape of the ship, like, that open area could simply not be that large, you know, mm-hmm. even if they're, like, going back and forth in the turbo lifts across that space repeatedly, it still just didn't quite, like, make a lot of sense, but, like, you know, I, and I've said this before, like, I think with Discovery, you kind of, like, have to turn off part of your brain to enjoy the show, and, like, that's, like at least for me, like, you know, like, I'm, like, big into, like, how starships work and, like, you know, the quirks and the production design. But, you know, like, watching that, you know, like, you, I, I had obviously, like, the same hang-up you guys did, but, like, I had to just, like, let that not affect my enjoyment of the finale, though I didn't really enjoy the finale anyway. But is that, like, something that you guys are able to do with Discovery is detached well, from that? In, in that case, just breathe and say the Discovery fit is much nice than Discovery. Discovery fit is much nice than Discovery. Well, yeah, you know what, it grew yeah. on me. Just savor that. Yeah, it grew on me. I think when I initially saw it, uh, I was still coming to terms with programmable matter. Um, but I, I like it now. At the start, I was a bit like, ah, I see. And the wonderful confrimplimplimf will go in here, and that will make this happen. I'm talking about a show that uses dilithium as an engine source, and I, I laugh at myself sometimes. But the detachable nacelles... I don't know if I'm still... I still don't know if I'm sold on them. Uh, even though they look great. And I, d- I do like the look of them, and I like them on Voyager J. Um, I just still don't really get why. Well, can I make a quick analogy to uh, the cat? And in fact, the dog from Picard. They, yeah, they yeah. sell them as a point of, of, oh, look! But they're not played in any specific way beyond, okay, there they are moving on. And the cat was done perfectly. It wasn't a big deal, but it was just there. So you, they make a deal out of those those engines being touchable means nothing in the grand scheme, and they even retach for warp, and sometimes yeah. spore drive, sometimes not spore drive, inconsistent. But they don't mean oh, much. I did, yeah, you're right. Actually. I mean, yeah. there so was obviously so also a plot point in the finale about the engines, so they could have like yeah. tied that into it some way, but they did not. So that's okay. It's a gimmick that I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but in the in the bridge they have this whole scene of them being a move matter, never used again on the bridge, never once. Again, everyone just uses standard controls because they realize it's expensive and doesn't add anything. Exactly, and I think does. <laughs> Why would you do that? says at one point, you know, when they do the kind of the reset of the computer core, uh, there's sort of yeah. a throwaway line about, oh well, and that's the end of the programmable matter here and there. Uh, not of not on the exterior of the ship, of course, because the nacelles are still detached. But yeah. there's there's a, a comment that says, yeah, there won't be any of those joysticks. So like, All right, and as you said, Sam's like, cost too much, did it? All right, that's cool, that's grand. So, no, season three, I think, raised the bar in quality for the story we got in Discovery. I I would agree. I think, Paul, I know you feel this way as well. Season two of Discovery is probably still my favorite, in a large part because of this, the whole story with Pike and the Enterprise. I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I really liked Anson Mount, uh, really liked Ethan Peck as Spock, mm-hmm. our third Spock in however long. Um, but... I know my best, my favorite Star Trek of the year was Lower Decks. Oh yeah, hands yeah. down. Yeah. No competition. Uh, no, no, no Picard <laughs> championers out there. 
I mean, I argued that, you know, I argued for Picard in, you know, uh, the last podcast we did, but I, I wasn't saying that that was the best of the year. I, you know, I think that Lord X is like head and shoulders above a lot of Star Trek that's come out in the last couple, what, decades? Well, it's the best since, since Enterprise, and for my father, it was the best since Voyager. Which yeah, goes back a long way. Yeah. Uh, but briefly on Picard, though, if you, if you, sim- if you simplify what Picard is, it's an incredibly simple story that was dragged over a lot of episodes that if you watch it week to week you, there's so many threads and we looked at them me and Stuart and we were excited by the possibility 95% of them went nowhere because they weren't important slash the writers just threw in things and in the end it finishes almost every plot line which leaves almost nothing left clearly feels rushed and clearly feels they swapped because they did they made two episodes out of nowhere and removed two episodes out of nowhere so you can't reform a season properly and if you binge it you don't think about it so you just go through because it's such a simple, not you know, very limited story. So it's a show that had so much promise, but should have been did made differently. But a better has been show. So how everyone else is going to watch from now on? That's the thing. Do you do you make it for the first audience or everyone else forever? You know, that's tricky. No, I mean, I assume that um, you could enjoy binging it in like a more episodic or like a little bit you know tighter way. But uh, you know, beyond that. I, I I I thought that it was stronger than Discovery season three, but I I, I think I'm probably alone here with that too. But yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the detached cells for just a second. Sure. Um, yeah. That's a great way of showing advanced tech. The problem that Discovery ran into is they based their tech when they started the show on advancements from our future, not from Star Trek's future. Um, Because they already had holograms. They already had all this fancy stuff, which you move to the future. How do you improve that? The nacelles aren't aren't attached. That's the way we're going to do that. So that's the problem that they ran into with Discovery. And one of the mistakes I think they made is trying to retcon the tech. TOS has always been a period piece. It has been in, you know, in in Relics and TNG and in DS9 when they showed it and in Amir Darkly and Enterprise. It's always been a period piece. They went to great effort to make it look like it should. And with new lighting techniques, things like that, you can really make the TOS look look good, despite everybody's arguments. They went into this with the Brian Fuller directive of can't have cylindrical nacelles, can't have this, can't have that, and looking totally different than TOS and retconning it so that it's a f- it's techno- technology based on our future, not what we see in Star Trek. And I think that's why the detachable cells are a thing, because how else are we going to make things look advanced in the future? They're yeah. not connected, you know? And just to give some direct examples, you know, when you watch the first episode of the cover season three, if you look at the view screen, they must have rushed it. They use the exact same graphic for all the L cars on the, on the view screen as in Discovery season two. So why are they using a 900-year-old computer interface? Then you jump to Picard. Picard now feels not advanced at all because they have that tech in Discovery. So Picard yeah. now feels rudimentary. And then... You think about the dots. The dots would be really impressive in Discovery Season 3, these little repair robots. But because Discovery invented them for Season 2, they feel completely <coughs> underwhelming. And the Enterprise and who cares. had them all along, apparently. Yeah. Like, well, according yeah. to the short trek Ephraim and Dot, uh, there were <laughs> DOTs nope. on the Enterprise the entire time. So. But well, according to window. that short trek, the Enterprise A self destructed. Yeah, there's also a window in Sick Bay, and the registry is on the side of the hall for some reason. Like, this. <laughs> It's the least kind of thing possible, that will thing. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so we're, I think we're all, like, really anticipating uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, uh, in part because of these Paramount Plus ads that have been showing up every couple of days. Um, mm. Are you guys yeah, hoping that they retain the visual style that they established in Discovery Season 2? Are you looking forward to, like, maybe, like, a re-refit Enterprise, or... Or is that well, just like an exhausting premise? The idea so of seeing want, another Enterprise. Yeah, what we want, we won't get, which is more TOS looking. They've already built the sets. They've already set their look. They're going to yeah. continue with that, unfortunately. Um, yes and but, no. I'll let you finish. Yeah, but they have they have the opportunity to kind of um, fix things along the way. Um, but I'll let Samuel take over from here because I think I know what he's going to say. Well, and just keep in mind they finished season two of Discovery, but since then we've had all of season three being filmed, released, season four being filmed, The Strange Worlds isn't filming yet, or at least is just about to film. Or So that means they've had over a year of those sets. The Enterprise Bridge was packed away or destroyed. It wasn't kept up in soundstage 
for a, a year and a half. That's not that space is more important for all of the discovery sets. So that stuff's flat packed. They can rebuild it and repaint it. They're going to do it anyway. And given it was only on a two episode budget, they have a season budget now. They're going to do new corridors because they're discovery corridors and new everything else. So I guarantee they'll do a pretty decent amount of rejig, especially with the ships, because they can sell models. You know what I mean? You guarantee and it, or you hope for it? It makes sense because they also want to. They also want to make it look better than Discovery because that's kind of they're a brand new show. If it looked the same, it wouldn't be a selling point. Whereas they could say, "Hey, we're the Enterprise refit, refit, refit pre Connie, as in pre Enterprise." So I think it'll be different as a way of selling it different. But it all depends on the showrunner. Because look at the showrunners we got. We got the first couple had their own ideas. We got Mike Man made Trek beautiful, and we had Michelle Paradise from Discovery season three kept the formula but gave her own real spin of story and characters over all else and that benefited the Trek vibe a lot so if the showrunner really cares it will but remember the only reason the Enterprise bridge is like 25% bigger 30% bigger is because Kurtzman said oh, I want to see a corridor a corridor around the edge it's like but that won't fit in the ship it's like yeah it doesn't matter and now there's a corridor that, that's it That's the only. it was built to scale and he, he added it because he's a bit of an idiot when that comes to that stuff so I think I think they know I think they'll make it better. You know, it was such a good Fingers bridge. Crossed. Just change it 30%, 40%, 20 you know, I was trying to go down, 25%, 10%, you know. Yeah. Actually, I think that this is a good opportunity to talk about news. Sean, what do you think? I think it's a pretty good time. Yep. For over two centuries, you're listening to the Federation News Network. We've one bit of news that dropped and then immediately seemed to undrop. Uh, Paul, you want to take this one? Yes. Um, it was reported last week that Lycia Naff, who played Sonia Gomez in uh, mm. q and I think the mm. Samaritan Snare in TNG Season 2, uh, she did a podcast back in October uh, where she said that she was going to be appearing in Lower Decks as Sonia Gomez... However, all the sites that were reporting that have now removed that reporting. Yeah, I saw so that. Just so we don't get pulled down, we are reporting on the fact that it was reported. <laughs> yeah. We are not and saying it, that this is actually happening or, you know. We, and we're not directing people toward the weekly Trek pod where you can listen to her interview of her talking about it. We're certainly not saying that. If it still exists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you think? So this would be a legacy character, um, allegedly, coming back to Another Star Trek. One. How do you feel about this kind of supporting characters coming back, as opposed to, you know, I think Jonathan Frakes is contractually obligated to appear once a season in every single show. <laughs> you know, how do you feel about having other people coming back? I think it's great, especially like a character that was in two episodes. Um be cool to see Leffler come back. She was in I was just two, thinking, yeah. two or three episodes as well. Um, but yeah, the, the biggest thing we've been talking about that I would really like to see is Ensign Kim come back. Whether he's mm. still an Ensign or not, it would be the, the joke, right? Um, but yeah, please bring those people back. We've, we've come up with so many great story ideas of people that could come back um, that we've mentioned during our reviews and stuff that it's definitely a possibility. And to hear that rumor was made me kind of smile. It was like, yeah, that's great. It's a character some people will remember, some won't, but it's 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 that that canon that really you know adds to the mythos of everything and we had just watched it in our tng review and and yeah. i think we both said why is this woman not in more i know she was meant to be and then wasn't right. such an yeah. obvious choice for that sort of weirdly memorable obviously you know looks and sounds different so it won't be quite the same performance because part of the performance of being cute and young and naive etc mm. but yeah brilliant i mean why why wouldn't you bring legacies back because mike man's a very very clever man it's like, wouldn't it, you know, wouldn't be surprised if we see the Traveller and really, you know, odd, what? Really? You're like, actually, it makes sense. It was like, oh, spoiler for the lot, uh, the villains of the end of Lower Decks is an inspired choice. Who the hell would have thought of that? Inspired beyond words. So, I, yeah, brilliant. I howled, laughed. I have to say, like, full on, you know, I LOL'd out loud. I did. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when they were saying, oh, no, another Enterprise. <laughs> oh, it was it was perfect I have to say it was perfectly written Mike McMahon out of everyone who seems to be working at CBS at the moment gets Trek and he gets Trekkies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well see like when I saw that Sonia Gomez might or allegedly will appear on she may Odex, be wrong but she's already it, been tired <laughs> right or she could have said something that got misconstrued I don't know I haven't listened to the podcast but uh, I don't really like podcasts I don't 
you know. Um, I just let this guy on these things. I didn't know that I like needed that. Like I never like liked Sonia Gomez. Like I thought she was kind of like a cheesy addition to TNG. Sorry, Um, but like as soon as I read that, I was like, oh my god! Like I need Sonia Gomez on lower decks. She's like the prototypical lower decker. It's like Barkley. If he's not in it, it'll be astounding. It's such a perfect character to bring that show. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Joe, I hadn't thought of him, and now that you say it would be perfect. I would love to see a Lieutenant Junior Grade Kim who finally got a promotion after all these years. But he got a, he didn't make captain, but he got a promotion. And the Lower Decks crew get him de- demoted. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> Something they did. <laughs> now, see, what, no, what you do is have him be, like, one step towards Admiral, and then Mariner meets him and gets him, and he has to, like, oh. go undercover as an ensign, and everyone's like, what are you in the Delta Quadrant? It's like, that's a different Kim. <laughs> A little old for an ensign, aren't you? <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, other news that we were briefly talking about before was the fact that CBS All Access is being rebranded finally as Paramount Plus, which begins on March 4th, right? Mm. March, 4th? March, yeah, March 4th, yeah. Um, we have been getting, obviously, those little kind of teasers that have been dropping on Twitter. Now, I've been loving them because... They're technically... Oh, this is going to sound so silly, but they're advertising Strange New Worlds. This is like the first kind of trailer. And I'm really stretching the definition of trailer here. The fact that Pike and Spock were in these scenes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did you see, I presume you caught the one... Um, I think it came out the, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday where Spock is about to amputate the arms of a puppet. I and didn't see a, that one. Oh, it's <laughs> you didn't. Good. You didn't see that. Yeah, you got you to gotta check yet. that out. Yeah. It's it makes some choices. Um, I, I I wondered, you know, like uh, rather than like enjoying them for like stupid spots that they are, I'm like, ooh, I wonder if this is what they're going to be wearing in Strange New Worlds. Like, oh, is that the way Spock's hair is going to look in Strange <laughs> New Worlds? Um, yeah. But I feel like these like thirty second spots with like tiny little slivers of Pike and Spock are like feeding the fandom right now. Well, it's doubly interesting because Patrick Stewart was the voiceover for at least one yeah. of them, I believe, both yep. of them. Yeah. And again, both in, in full costume show the least they're super engaged. No, it, I mean, that's a real symbol. I think even the longer one had Sneak Command Green as well, not actually in it, but a, like a clip from Discovery Season 3. Yeah. And that's like three full parts of their Trek universe being included in a very short set of trailers. I know, obviously, they've got five shows and probably getting close to a billion dollars per you know per cycle of these shows that's a lot of investment but that shows a lot of confidence and given yeah. that all the shows are theoretically getting better and better and better that's a good sign that's a good sign I think, it, I think it puts to rest some of the rumors channels oh, that saying right. that Strange New Worlds won't go into production or has been cancelled hmm? and you know, I was just yeah. wondering uh, did anyone catch how many times the show's been cancelled today I think it was five five times it was cancelled today I stopped counting it's just <laughs> oh my god wait breaking news Trek Culture Podcast been cancelled what oh, yeah that's oh, Trek Culture was cancelled two years ago oh, oh my goodness oh yeah this Nobody isn't co- this isn't broadcasting this isn't connected to anything just thanks for joining us for the chats it's been great fun <laughs> oh. um, it is it's you know despite the schism along some of the lines of the fandom I think it's a good time to be a Trekkie at the moment You, we have content to love or hate but we have content well, the fact there's an upward trajectory is important because you can start with rough rougher content mm. but as long as you know because the fact is Brian Fuller had had bad ideas you know and people had to rat, had to, they'd, they'd forcibly scrub that and move them but once you commit to 10 million dollars worth of sets and costumes you you know what I mean so they've been yeah. changing progressively and how many showrunners have they gone through now not in a bad way just they keep changing their vision but they're gonna they're gonna really get there at one point and it isn't the you know TNG got good in season 3 thing that's, that's completely different analogy but it ta- it's a new company it's a new thing it's a new people doing it, it makes sense it takes a few times you know Beyond was the best of the three Trek movies that took them three to get it just took an entire different team to make it they got there <laughs> uh, so there's actually other news though like I can't believe how much news little tiny little tidbits um, but uh Kate Mulgrew did another podcast. Um, I, I'm not prepared at all, so I can't tell you which podcast. But she, again, seemingly indicated that Star Trek Prodigy is going forward with uh, a second season. Um, makes sense because it's animated. Uh, I think I believe Lower Decks got announced as a mm-hmm. two-season uh, pickup. 
but uh, you know that was something that I wasn't really expecting to hear so so soon. And that was an online convention where you get like two minutes yeah. with the actor and mm. you get to talk to them. Mm. She just said it out of the blue. It was really random. I watched it. It was quite sweet though. Makes sense. I mean, they 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 need the animated shows. Yeah. They, they need do. them more than anything else right now because they mm. if they're not getting content out, people aren't paying monthly. Right. And well, I'm excited true, actually, and yeah. confused and just hopeful for Prodigy. Like so many thoughts are going through my head, and then they get announced that. Janeway's in it and it's like okay so the original idea that I kind of thought in my head is now a little bit changed so I'm looking forward to seeing what that's all about because that's exciting right for those who don't know what is Prodigy Sean so Prodigy it's uh, it is very much aimed at the younger audience uh, the animation style is going to be like uh, Troll Hunters uh, if anyone knows it's uh, like CGI as opposed to say the traditional animation of Lower Decks um, Janeway will be acting as a sort of a guide and a mentor for um, a group of wayward teams, yeah, or something kind like of wayward teams. And also, it's they, Captain they, Janeway, not Admiral. They call out Captain, so it's a weird hmm. point in the timeline. Oh yeah, that's actually that is interesting because yeah, because you know she's Admiral Janeway in Star Trek really Nemesis. Quickly. Yeah. So yeah, so. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they hadn't even landed Voyager by the time they were like, actually, uh, sorry, Captain, we need you. Um, but um, so so obviously, there's no date yet on when it's releasing. I think I think it's 2021. So that would be mm-hmm. great. It if it was, and obviously, it's yeah. it's yeah. obviously much easier to get it out quicker. Again, animation you uh, record. Um, so. I don't know. I, I look. I have no no idea what to expect. I'm really enjoying anything pretty much Kate Mulgrew does kind of related not related but has anyone had a chance to read or listen to Una McCormick's the autobiography of uh, Janeway Uh, I'm I'm just coming up to the end of the audiobook now Kate Mulgrew is narrating it it Mm. is absolutely brilliant I don't think we often do book recommendations on this but I am (laughs) recommending this one right now it's fantastic it's awesome it's fun I was just thinking you know if she's Captain Janeway this obviously happened but before you know, when before she became, they, they got back the first time, and then you know she did the prodigy thing, then got became old Janeway and went back in time and changed things. <laughs> the end game, future Janeway. Oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, plot twist. I like it. So it's an older yeah. time, and it's undone. Mm. Oh dear. That's a, <laughs> hey, that, that's a way of doing new canon. It's like, oh, it gets undone in five years. It's fine. Yeah, the thing about Prodigy is that the kids show Motica is a thing to worry about because there yeah, are kids shows and there are kids shows. There's the Teletubby yeah. kids show if that translates to the American people, where yes. it's only aimed at children. Adults will not enjoy it beyond the, the visuals. The, but there's the Disney film, adult, uh, kids film, more of the old you know, 90s ones, where there are layers. Kids mm-hmm. enjoy it because it's pure, ah, but you watch it as an adult and still enjoy it, and you can go back and watch it as an adult. So if they make it for kids, it will not stand the test of time. If they make it good, that happens to have a younger slant. But even that, for kids, they're all ensigns. They can't be younger than 18. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
And yeah. no, they'd be cadets, so they have to be at least you know twenty, twenty-one. So they're not actually young. In the Boimler's the same age, and Tendi's the same age. So that's not considered a young program. So that that you know, it's not fifteen-year-olds. It's not thirteen-year-olds. It's eighteen to twenty-year-olds. And it's and you know what I mean. So they've already. It can't be that kids. Doesn't make sense. It's, I, I I probably I hope it's like Beast Wars, honestly, which is CG written for the older G one crowd, but also brought in the kids as well with deeply layered storytelling. Beast Wars was fantastic. So if I it's really like that, Beast Wars. I, I, I did I did too. If it's like that, yes, that's what I want. <laughs> my my assumption has been that it would be like Clone Wars, just to throw another one in there, um, mm. which is mm. you know ostensibly yep. for kids, but you know is clearly you know uh, aimed at like the dedicated Star Wars. You know, fan yeah. base. Yeah. And if you watch all Mulgrew's appearances, she always says it's about inspiring young kids like I did in Voyager. So I think it's more the modicum of it makes younger people feel they can do something, they can really achieve. So it's more about the inspirational side, which, which means positive, a positive yeah. show, which is definitely what we want. So that, that, and definitely different to Lower Decks, which is about the screw ups. <laughs> so also good. That's true. Yeah, different. Yeah. Um, and then, Paul, you had one last piece of news as well um, from, from last week. Yeah, um, I'm just waiting for while, the sirens. While you are arrested, <laughs> uh, <laughs> must be breaking important news with the sirens. What's well, Selena Gomez? Exactly. Selena Gomez thing. She's being you know, the CBS to come to. Did you say Selena Gomez? I did. What's her name? <laughs> Sonia Gomez. Uh, uh, I would be delighted if Selena Gomez turns yeah. up in Star Trek. All right, I think she'd be brilliant. Hey, maybe it was a misunderstanding, and so, uh, Selena Gomez <laughs> is what uh, Lycia Naff was talking about. That's why this things were taken down. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, now that the cops are gone, um, <laughs> yeah, I did um, deadlines. A virtual screening of that Hope Is You last week. Uh, it had a, a um, panel uh, with Kurtzman, uh, Michelle Paradise, and Sonequa Martin Green, and it was a lot of uh, back slapping. Um, they did mention that the villain for season four is going to be some kind of sciency uh, obstacle over, you know, like a physical, you know, mustache twirler, though. You know, I, I, that was kind of treated as news, but I, I, I kind of been thinking that like that's actually the villain of both season two and three is like a yeah. technological scientific problem plus you know yeah. like a, a like a villain on the side. So I don't I don't see how that's going to be you know too different. Though if it's a purely scientific obstacle, you know that could obviously be you know more towards the kind of Star Trek that we all grew up with. That would kind of like, Voyager Seven. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, and beyond that, he mentioned that um, you know, book and uh, and uh, Michael's relationship would uh, be tested. And I wish I cared. Yeah, <laughs> I like him. I do. I, I do too. I just um, I, it's 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 funny. Like I'm like, well, you didn't mention anything about like if we're gonna see the Klingons in season four. Like for some reason, like that's the kind of stuff I care about with Discovery and the interpersonal stories still have failed to capture me yeah no, I, I tend to agree um, I, I was knowing there's going to be problems between Stamets and Burnham and now that Burnham's boyfriend does Stamets's job it won't matter and Stamets will be pushed off the, like there's a lot of drama there that can be created but yeah true I don't yeah know. yeah um, I I suppose for, for myself I, I agree Paul like the season three um, my feelings on the burn are well documented at this point um uh, I don't remember what 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 did you say about the burn? <sighs> I don't really remember the burn either. It's been great. Burn delicious. Um, yeah, exactly. I I'm fine. See, I like the idea of um, if you take, for example, say the Romulan super. So going back a thousand years, the Romulan supernova. I would have loved to have seen the dash to evacuate Romulus. If that's maybe not that story, obviously going into season four, but something mm. potentially like that, where you have a deadline of say 10 episodes so they don't hopefully touch what they won't go with a oh we don't know what it is no no we know what it's going to be we know we have a deadline and we have to act toward this for whatever reason it's going to be now knowing Star Trek Discovery it's going to be the galaxy's going to blow up you know but what can we do to stop the galaxy from blowing up in the next X amount of episodes and I would actually like to see that because then you could have the Klingons could come in Navar could come in you might have to have people working together what would be what great? What do you think, guys? What would be great is an outside threat, like another galaxy, like the Andromeda Galaxy, threatening the the Milky Way. So the galaxy as, as a whole has to come together to defeat a, a common foe. Um, and 
you know, considering they got the lithium back, maybe they're experimenting again with new drives. They find a drive that takes them to the Andromeda Galaxy, makes them aware of our presence, and it, it, you could do something really interesting that way. Um, and we, we've done a live talking about um, our predictions for season four, um, and there's some good ideas in that. So yeah, that's another plug of- for Trek Yards on YouTube. Yes. I like it. We always have good discussions like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, I actually think that, you know, uh, given our, like, gripes about the burn and the ticking clocks on Discovery is, like, a perfect time for us to talk about Cargo Bay 101. So, Cargo Bay 101, as I'm sure you know, is this infinite space which anything can go into and then immediately be blasted out of. Now, if it gets blasted out of there, that's it. It's gone. It's removed from Star Trek. Now, I want to stress that we change the rules every week. So, basically, if you want it gone going forward, but you don't really want to take it away from the past, that's fine too. Nobody's going to police that hard. But, is there anything in all of Star Trek that you think should be depressurized and suffer a horrific, if quick, destruction. Yeah, we won't make you guys do it jointly, so uh, Stuart, you start and then... (laughs) I'll go make a cup of tea while he'll discuss this. It'll be quick. I can really think of two things. Can I do two things? Of course. It's it's a big cargo bay. Okay. Speaking of big cargo bays, hashtag TurboLift Caverns. TurboLift Planet. Go. Bye. Gone. Done. I don't know if anybody's ever said that before, but they have, yeah. So that's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did they're, that already. Right. They're, they're dead. Oh, that one came up rather quickly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that, okay. So yeah, how about uh, view screens on large starships mm. being windows? Because hmm. they never were until 2009. Now they're <sighs> everywhere. Small ships like the Raven, stuff like that. They're more like a runabout. That's fine. Uh, makes perfect sense. But uh, they've always been view screens, never windows until 2009. Now everybody has them, so they can go bye bye. Yeah, I, I think I could get behind that myself um, because I remember back in 1996 with First Contact and that was the first time I had seen a view screen was actually just a wall. Uh, they turn yep. on the view screen as they arrive at Sector 001 and yep. up until that point it's always been a star field or something. And So there's like two yeah. opposite ends of the spectrum there is, a, is the wall view screen that's just a wall, blank wall that you stare at all day unless there's something outside to look at. Or there's the screensaver on a fish fish aquarium or something. Or there's the window where you can't not look out the damn thing. You can make it opaque so you can't see out of it. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I stand by the window. I stand by the window, so I'm not putting it in there. But you guys, you do. I'm going to vote to put the window in Cargo Bay 101. (laughs) I I don't love it, and kind of maybe this is unfair to the window, but any graphic I've seen of the view screen on the window has just just looks kind of messy um, and that's more on I suppose the design you know, say the Kelvin Universe view screen didn't love it uh, a lot of the disco stuff didn't love it except season 2 episode 1 brother I did love seeing Pike's kind of history with the Enterprise yeah. sitting out beyond I have to say yeah. so can I keep that one but chuck the rest of the windows in cool Okay, so Sam, you're going to be the deciding vote here. Oh god, no, he's already been gone. I mean, are you kidding? I pushed the button while you're talking. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's gone. It's already frozen and shattered. All, All right, right, but Sam, so, what do you want to put in there? Well, I feel like I should have a smarter idea, but the the first thing that came to my mind, and I what it says to you about me, Stuart, any idea what I'm going to say? It's an enterprise. If that helps. What one little thing goes doesn't matter. So in season one. They fight a Klingon ship, but it's, oh, yes. okay. they just load in the DS9. They, they go click, click, server, click, click, scenes, click, click, DS9, click, click, D7, load, render. And so they introduce a ship that they used six months earlier on DS9 inside Enterprise, even though they had another model on the hard drive ready that was made by one of their team for free because they wanted to. And it was, yeah. it was included because the windows they didn't think were big enough. Um, and while you don't necessarily think of it too much in the episode, they did tweak a little bit of the colours, but it's just annoying because it's just a mistake it's just it's just a mistake that's it that's the that's the d5 or the d4 that was was d4 but it's just a d4 model yes yeah yeah no absolutely i (laughs) i love seeing it in the show but i hate seeing it in the show 
Yep. So it's one, yeah, of, those, it's one uh, of those things where the mistake canon. Some things are just a mistake. It's like the deck kite in, in Star Trek Five. It's it's not canon. It's a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. can't. That's not canon. So that's why discovery stuff. You can kind of say oh, this is just a mistake. You know. It's like they call out the sect class as D seven. It's like it's not a D seven. It's a sect. And you undid it anyway. It's like, yeah. You know. Some things are just mistakes. And that was a mistake. Yep. No, I'm I'm good with that. Right. So those two yeah. things are sitting in the bay. First thing. Um, Paul, do you have anything you want to add to the bay? You know, uh, since we're just going crazy with the Cargo Bay 101 <laughs> today, I Heck will. Yeah, I had a Trekyards themed choice, uh, tr- a Starships themed choice. Not, I'm not going to put either one of you in the airlock. Um, and you're all going to disagree with me, so I don't even know why Ooh. I'm bringing it up. Except uh, I, Starships with more than two nacelles, for some <laughs> reason, just I just hate them. I just don't like the look. I think that it like throws off the like established like Starfleet aesthetic and uh, and Discovery was really bad about you know that like how many four nacelled starships were in the battle of the binary stars like two but still it was like, it was more than <laughs> I wanted to see but yeah yeah hate them I, I disagree I'm a big fan of the three nacelle dreadnoughts I designed my how big a fan you you're referring to the um, the uh, galaxy class uh, no, future no. enterprise now I, I don't um, like the galaxy x at all actually but the going to Franz Joseph like the the federation class I the, see. the old school style yeah okay three in a cell stewardship right. yeah right there right behind him that he's graphics the fully class that, that I designed yeah. right there yes nice you see now I'm a big fan of the constellation class I do like the stargazer a lot yeah um yeah do you so like I the brand then um I actually do like the brand yeah, uh, it grew on me. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, but then actually when I saw the model, it mm-hmm. kind of more yeah. and more parts of it kind of caught my eye. Uh, didn't love seeing it in season three um, because why were all of the season one Discovery ships? Anyway, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, okay, I myself would not put all uh, ships with uh, the uh, with more than two nacelles. So I don't know how we're feeling. What 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 are your feelings on it, guys? Well, obviously, I have a, have a long history of, of designing ships for fan films, etc. My own ship has three sets of nacelles and eight sets of warp coils. So, or well, that's well, just excessive. So, I, oh, it's I, not, though. There's a reason. If there's a reason, <laughs> it doesn't look like there is. It looks as if there's two, which is a genius. But in fact, just to quote Andrew Probert, who designed the Constellation, it hasn't got four nacelles. It's got two pairs of two. If that helps you think about that in any way. So that's a slight technicality of... yeah. So when you get to three nacelles... warp core life by swapping out so you can get twice the usage out of a long-range explorer because you don't and have there, all the nacelles. And there really isn't anything beyond a, a four nacelle, except the Prometheus that has six, but two are inside the hull and not used until they're three sets of two. So really it's just the fours and then a couple of threes. You know, threes and can be singles. fun. Well, and because oh. I'm no fun, I don't like the Prometheus class either. Well, so. I'm walking out. <laughs> That's Samuel's favorite. So, so okay, at the risk it's of fun. losing our guest this week... Paul, I think this is the one week where I think you've been outvoted. I think those multi, multi-nacelled ships are safe, uh, but the view screens and the Katinka class are going right out. Now that they have been blown out into space, uh, that pretty much brings us up to time on this episode. Can we shoot so, them? Well, Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry. We just can't say that on the recording. Oh. However, I've got a few quantum torpedoes and a couple of bottles of uh, Romulan ale, and we're going to have us some fun. Uh, but I never said that. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. I Genuinely, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I mean, this almost seems silly to ask, but where can people find you online, guys? On YouTube, look us up under Trekyards, all one word. We're also on everything else, Discord, Facebook. We have a very active Facebook group, which is a great place to find out about our videos and stuff as well. Um, and Instagram and, yeah, ev- everywhere. We don't really post Instagram and stuff. But Facebook and YouTube is the, is the big ones. So check As you out. can tell, we're based on the, the ship content. That's how we started, and that's yes. still what we do every Saturday. And the trick is, if you like any ship in Trek, just Google Trekyards, that ship name, very likely you'll find at least one video on it, if not a designer interview with a person that worked on the show, movie, yeah. even from the JJ and Discovery, etc. All the all the above to talk about it. It's all there. Excellent. 
Um, well, that's my weekend sorted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, look, as I say, once more, thank you so much. Um, thank you, everyone who joined us this evening and who has listened to this on ACAS, Spotify, Amazon Music, all the all the usuals. Uh, I've been Sean. I'm Paul. And you've all been awesome. Have yourself a bloody good week. Live long and prosper. And once again, guys, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.